0: Hey, yo, what's good, man? It's your host, Cleve. Welcome to the Third Coast Podcast with my man, Joe. What it do, Gators? What it do, mate? It's your host, Cleve. yeah, Joe, I was sitting here, I was thinking like, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on Fridays and, you know, whenever we pregame, like what's your favorite go-to drink whenever you get getting the day started off? Yeah. Like after five, you know, when it's that time.
1: Oh, uh, it has to be a Miller Lite, dude. Miller Lite's my go-to. It's one of my uh, favorite beers. Hands down. What, what's your favorite brew?
0: Um, it depends. Like, but yeah, I, I generally go to Miller Lite. You know, because it's not, it's not heavy, it's not too light. Like it has like the, for me, it's like the kick of a Budweiser, but the smoothness of a Bud Light. So it's just like a like right in the middle kind of beer. You know, like Coors is a little light, uh, Michelob is light. You know, that's like, you know, Michelob and Coors is like Sunday drinks.
1: Yeah, I like the original Coors too and the uh, yellow cans. The, they oh, sell yeah, at Jules yeah. in the 24s.
0: Yeah, I don't see those too often anymore.
1: Yeah, the, there's only a few places you can get them around uh, our area. Oh, okay. But I think uh, Jules and Buddies actually carries them. I think Buddies carries them in 12-pack, t- uh, 12 12-ounces.
0: 12 is it just display is the difference, or is it alcohol percent as well that's the difference? Is it a little stronger than the... Uh,
1: I would actually be lying if I told you. I would assume the original cores is a little bit stronger but I don't know what really makes the difference between the original cores and the cores. Like, you know what I'm saying? They might be two totally different tasting beers. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. Some I, I would have to check into.
1: When you were doing the uh, beer challenge last night, uh, shout out to uh, Cleve, who is uh, trending away right now on the, <laughs> uh, on the TikTok platform. Make sure y'all check out the beer challenge Cleve did, where he guessed four out of six beers. Yeah, I right? guess
0: four out of six, right?
1: And uh, we had a lot of fun. Well, A lot of them beers, actually, the Natty Light definitely went uh, down the drain.
0: Yeah, but we did partake in the... beer. The um, beers were not wasted except for the Natty Light.
1: And the Coors Light. I couldn't drink the Coors Light. I had to pour that down the sink. I just don't have the taste buds for it no more. Like, I drink the original Coors, but the Coors Light don't like it no more.
0: Nah, Coors Light now is just water. Yeah. Like, you know, ever since the... um the ongoing events of that kind of connects with tonight's topic.
1: Oh yeah, uh, got we got some uh, explosive uh, topic to cover this afternoon for y'all. And uh, hope you have your uh, hazmat suits on, your proper PPE and protective gears uh, before you uh, enter down this episode with us today. We do have uh, also we have a live interview with uh, Ozzy Bear. And he will be uh, our artist of the week with some music at the end of the show. And try to phone in our good friend and co-host, Jacoby. Before we do that, we want to talk a little bit until he gets ready. Some fun facts, you would say, about... Dun, dun, dun! Mm -hmm. Fucking Chernobyl.
0: There it is. Like, (laughs) finally got to uh, to this topic, you know, after a couple of episodes.
1: Yeah, we uh... like
0: bringing it up and talking around it, but you're finally getting into some of the facts as to how and why did the disaster occur. So, starting at 42, initially, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant scheduled a systems test of reactor four in the early hours of April 26, 1986. The plant was located near Pripyat, roughly 104 kilometers or 64.6 Sixty-four point six miles north of Kiev, New, uh, Ukraine. At the time the area was part of the USSR. But yeah, just like with that that part being said, you know, I, I believe the president at that time, or not the president, the um, hang on, yeah, I believe what I was trying to get to was um, Michael Gorbachev was the president of the USSR at this time.
1: All right. But but yeah,
0: he had gave a speech about his regards and how it gave him, you know, you know, a great mind to think many things. Yeah. You know, quote unquote. But at 41, the where the plant's reactors were designed to build between the 1970s and 1980s. And the plant also had its own massive reservoir. The Pripyat River fed into the reservoir with the water acting as the coolant for the plant.
1: I think this is high tide. We're going to introduce something new to the show for y'all. We're about to do our first phone-in on the show, and this has been a long time coming, so we're going to be phoning in our one and only co-host that's been away. I know Kobai's been away from the show for a little while. He's been out there making that money, but let's see if he uh, wants to pick up the phone for us this afternoon. I wonder if it's going to do the ringing, too. Ah, there we go.
0: Yeah, it's uh, hot and ready.
1: Let me see if he answers the phone this afternoon. Hello? Hey, what's up, Kobai?
2: Oh it? shit. Is it is how's it going through?
1: No, dude, you're on yeah, you're live on, on, on air. air,
2: bro. Oh well, what's up, you pieces of shit? <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to fucking be back for a little bit.
0: Yeah, you getting ready? yeah, you getting ready out there on the water. You got those deep blues out there, or you just on standby?
2: Oh, I gonna stand by. I'm on a bridge watch right now. We are going around like the curvature of the inside of Florida, where uh, maybe like maybe like 40 miles from uh, the coast of Tampa or some shit like that. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like, awesome. Uh, is it nighttime
0: over there right now? Like the sun sunset already?
2: Yeah, yeah, Everything's says uh, it's uh, pitch black. We could see fucking uh, Venus and uh, Jupiter is aligned this evening.
1: Oh, getting your astrology on out there on the waters that
2: that mind's uh, free and clear. Oh, yeah, it gotta be, man. It's, 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 I mean, I think it happens like once a year for the, 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 those, those particular stars to conjunction and, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I didn't fucking know the, the captains had told me. I'm like, oh, well, that's fucking interesting. Yeah, but, uh, the- yeah, we're holding it down. it take us about uh, three, three more days until we get back to uh, Louisiana. And that's what's
0: up. though. Whenever you make it back, uh, are y'all going to be docking up and touching the land
1: for a little bit?
2: Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to be at Port Fouchon for doing some work on the boat for two weeks. And then we're going to go to another location, which is going to be around the border of Texas and Mexico. I think uh the area is like Brownsville, Texas. Okay. Yeah. Uh down there past uh South Padre Island.
0: Right. Yeah, that island is the island you're talking about. I actually passed it on the way and it's got like a bunch of houses, but the houses are inhabited because of the storms that pass through the area.
2: Yeah, it's just way the fuck down there. Yeah, And, you don't uh, be down under. Yeah, when, so I said, uh, I said, like I said, uh, I think our shift was supposed to end on March the eighth, and so we'll be get us home for three days at uh the the port, In three days I mean, and then we'll be working on the boat for two weeks, and then it's gonna take us a little while because the boat only travels five knots, so you can round that it's like fucking five miles an hour. That's how yeah. fast we we can move. Yeah, y'all moving? Yeah, y'all slow sailing. Slow sailing, and uh, once we get out there it's a location off the coast of Texas, um, I'm only going to be there maybe a week, and then uh, we're going to be driving back from Texas to Louisiana. Then I get to see you, motherfuckers, for a month. Oh yeah, when
0: y'all on their water, make sure y'all protecting their eco life out there. You know, it's it's a real important
2: thing. Oh yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing going overboard. Yeah, it better not do, be.
1: Do you pee off? Can you pee off the deck, or uh-huh. is that not a thing? Oh shit! We might have lost them. Kobai, are you still there? Kobai.
3: Yeah,
0: I uh, see. What,
1: wait, <laughs> oh, there you he go. Yeah, back. i was gonna
2: say it has sound like it got <laughs> some we service got- connection going on. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm I'm actually calling off of uh, the Wi-Fi, so if it it may go in and I'll have me. So yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just went in and out a little bit again. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just, we're we're trying. Uh, but the the y'all can hear me pretty clear though. Yeah, whenever yeah. y'all can't hear me, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you sound, sound good. crispy. Not I as good as chat,
1: man. Not as good as we do, but I mean, you sound all right. Right on, dude. Okay, fuck <laughs> yeah.
2: So, what you got going on the podcast today?
1: Uh, we're talking about Chernobyl. Yeah, I'm going through
0: these 42 facts so far. We got through two of them, and we phoned you in.
2: Fuck yeah! Well. The only thing I can like really, I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys are covering all the fucking the interesting bases and shit like that. But what I was gonna uh, touch on this evening was like how you can actually, you know, it's like the, what do they call it, like macabre tours? You know, like the the dark tours of like the world. You can do whatever, and um, it, it can cost anywhere from like a hundred to three hundred dollars, and you can do it up to like two to seven days, really. Right. Yeah, like I've
0: seen the tours that you could take through Chernobyl, but they say if you stand in the spot for 24 hours actively doing nothing, you can reach the maximum uh, potential of receiving the radiation. Yeah, yeah, to receive the radiation poisoning. So the tour starts at like five in the morning.
2: Yeah. And like... um a lot of the the main uh, the, i mean the radiation they say is going to last for like the next fucking like 3000 to 20000 years you know it's not going to go away anytime fucking soon but like you said like in like you, you can walk around basically unprotected they just uh, you don't have to wear any special suits or nothing like that they just encourage you to wear fucking long sleeves and fucking pants so oh. uh, that way if uh if it, you know, no contact of the skin, you know and pre,
0: you know Yeah, if the dust kicks up and then the wind so, starts blowing. So c- you think
1: people freeball in Chernobyl?
2: Yeah, I forgot. Fuck- fucking get, get the get them nuts fucking radiated because <laughs> <laughs> Gl- glowing
0: balls of doom. Yeah, get those glowing orange balls of doom before they die out
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck it man if, if it ain't if it happened now it ain't never gonna happen so because i i don't know i i i'd free ball and fucking chernobyl that sounds like the fucking that sounds like a uh, a name of an album free balling and chernobyl <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you can.
1: Can you hear the sound pad, Koba? Yeah, it just sounds oh, like fucking static. Oh, it just sounds like static, though. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the round of applause. Well, at least we got you on audio. At least. Yeah. Fuck
2: yeah! I'm glad it go. It's uh, working out so far.
1: Yeah, uh, big shout out to uh, our editor Zane for uh, getting us in the zone to do this now. And uh, actually, later on in the episode, we'll be doing uh, a phone in interview with Ozzie Bear,
2: who's our future artist of the week too. Awesome, man! But yeah, big shout out Ozzie Bear and big shout out Zane, dude. Zane's coming through and giving us boys some some pointers on the electronic side. And I'm glad everything's uh, you know, we're uh, we're we're fucking. Getting, uh, getting our merits in the fucking digital game. You know what I'm saying? Cruising at about
0: five knots on the podcast, if you ask me.
2: Oh yeah, I'm out here fucking holding down the Gulf Coast, cause this is the, I'm in the Third Coast. You know what I'm saying?
1: Just go out on the deck and start screaming, like and subscribe to the Third Coast Podcast <laughs> like a megaphone, dude. Man, you should do that for
0: the dude. TikTok.
2: <laughs> Man, uh, I'll see what I can do. It's pretty fucking loud outside from the uh, the air conditioners and the generators and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'll try to. I uh, will I've been thinking of something to, to try to do. They don't really encourage us. Uh, posting things, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll make
3: a, I'll,
2: I'll make a video uh, and like hold it down for a little bit, and then maybe release it. That way, I'm on land, and they can't say I. Nah, you no, know, just was do at it in a closed
0: area. Don't do nothing out in the open because you don't want to reveal the the waters you're in. You know, you never yeah, know who's watching out there, especially when it comes to that um schematics of yeah, the work maybe, uh, that you do.
2: We had, uh, we were jacked up yesterday, and uh, of course, for all of all of those listening, I'm on a lift boat. So whenever the seas get bad, we just shove our legs down to the sea floor and jack our vessel up out of the water. Because uh, once our, our waves hit such a like maybe I think it's like a a, a four foot height of waves, we usually yeah. stop. You know, because it's a our, our vessel isn't built for bad weather and shit.
1: So uh. When you were uh, traveling down the East Coast, uh, when that winter storm came through, how cold was it out there? Do you deal with a lot of the cold weather? Because I know down here, it's been fucking frigid, frigid and wet. Just-
2: it actually, uh, the temperature had just dropped uh, about two days ago. Whenever we were on like the, the south part below the Florida Keys and around Miami, the weather was the weather was pretty fucking nice, man. Like I, whenever I was off shift, I'd come outside in my fucking shorts and fucking um, like cut off shirt and shit. It felt like fucking, you know, beach weather and stuff. But now since we're like moving up towards the middle of the Gulf Coast, um, it's it's getting a lot cooler. But whenever we were coming down through New England shit. Yeah, dude, it fucking it was like, like uh, it wouldn't get above fucking 20 degrees for like a couple weeks. Ooh. yeah, that's that frostbite weather. Yeah, and see right now up there where we were, some places are in like negative fucking twenty. There's a there's a place like Washington, Vermont, or some shit that's like negative one hundred right now.
1: Oh, I got quiet. I didn't even know that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna Google that later. <laughs> yeah,
2: same. No uh, crazy weather yeah, going you, on, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of fucking negative temperatures going on up there, like uh, through. Maine, Vermont, Connecticut and uh, like New Jersey and shit like that. Yeah, it's fucking cold up there, man.
1: The uh, the coldest I ever have experienced in my life was negative 32 in Afghanistan. Like yeah, it would free, it, it would free, you could literally bring up, because we always had to thaw our water in, in right. the tents and yeah. you couldn't leave it outside. And we used that to bathe everything, just bottled water. But anyways, uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> I literally, it was snowing, right? And it's like negative two degrees and the generators started fucking like having problems because the fuel can actually freeze at a certain temperature. So to run the yeah. generators, we had to bring heaters out. So right. I put next to the generators to keep them, as they're running, keep them extra warm, you know? So, uh and right. I saw, like, I took a, a whole bottle of water, and it took it, like, less than five minutes to freeze right in front of me as I was smoking a cigarette outside. So I feel you on them them negative temperatures, for sure. Oh, yeah,
0: most definitely got a taste of that in Colorado. You know, the, the highs of the day was negative two, but the lows was negative 23.
1: Fuck man, I had a cold
0: front blow in through the Rockies that night, like— It was at 13, but when that storm blew in, it dropped 10 degrees. Yeah, and I was out in that shit for, like, nine hours. Like, yeah, nine to 11 hours, I was out in, like, negative weather that whole day
2: working. Well, were you (laughs) free-balling? No, I was bundled bundled the fuck up, boy. Hey, (laughs) Hey, you
0: you got only free balls in your own.
2: That's to, right, man. Only pre bomb. Nah, it in ain't Chernobyl. no radiation.
0: Yeah, it ain't no heating up. You know, it was a whole lot of cooling down going on, I like those reactors that we're going to be talking about later in the episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> safety first. Yeah. Safety
0: first, baby.
2: Uh, speaking of safety, so like what like what John brought up a well while ago about like the, uh, the exposure limit right there in Chernobyl. So, like, um, I'd read a story about a guy who uh, frequently travels there and does the tours and stuff. And he said, like, so like the the exposure is like a fraction of the radiation that uh pretty much you would receive on a transatlantic flight, so if you were like let's say, fly from New York to Europe, you know you're exposed to a certain amount of radiation during that you're, you're exposed to radiation every fucking day, you know like through these phones through just just everywhere you know you can't you know there's naturally occurring radiation and shit, but uh there, there is certain hot spots that are around chernobyl and stuff and of course they're not going to let you go inside you know around the hot points and but the surrounding areas yeah you're still gonna have to wear your meter and stuff like that but you know there, it's that's it's, it's a scary thing to think about like would you guys go there
1: i damn sure won't go there right now <laughs> no not at the moment <laughs> not yet. at I the mean, moment fuck no yeah,
0: i actually uh, read up online like like recently in 2022 um When the Russians were invading Ukraine, they were digging some trenches around the uh, Red Forest, which is near the site of Chernobyl, where the reactor—it's a hot point—and a lot of the soldiers fell sick to radiation poisoning. It's not reported how many died because you know the war is still ongoing. But yeah, like over, there were no reports of death, but over five thousand were exposed. Yeah, that. Digging trenches, you know, and a lot of that dust and radiation, soil that's kicking up into the atmosphere, and these people that's breathing it in is highly active. And uh, it was reported that yeah, it will remain active for the next twenty thousand years before yep. it
1: begins to dissolve.
2: What and like you got to think of like how how the exposure is there. What was that? I-
1: oh, we lost them for real this time.
2: No, but the exposure is fucking like. And just the thing that of, all that land is fucking gonna is is fucking unuseful for like ever now. Yeah. Nature's starting to thrive in it in some
1: parts. I think it says something about like in they believe in like about It said 20,000 years, but some people believe in 10,000 years with beavers actually moving in and recultivating the land and letting the trees die and decompose and stuff because then, you know, eating them, knocking them down and shit, that it's going to rebuild the uh, ecological system out there,
2: allegedly. So, Yeah, this story that I was reading, um, this uh, Mr. Nate Hake, uh, he had went to there and uh, he was saying how, like, you know, you see some birds, but uh, if you get a chance, like you will see a lot of the uh, actual like. There's a a population of wolves that live in the area of, of Chernobyl too, and he said that's a a big sight to see and stuff. But yeah, it's just I've a weird thing it. to fucking. It's a weird fucking thing to 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 really like even like to to, to bring up and try to just like pick apart. You and, know, pick yeah, man. It's fucking crazy. It really is. And all, due, all due to one son of a bitch, that piece of shit fucking director.
0: Yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna give him his highlight. Don't you worry, I got him covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy, Fuck Yeah, Victor, you fucked up. Yeah, yeah he, I'm gonna he let him fucked know. Fucked
2: up, man. That fucking cocksucker.
0: <laughs> he did I mean, try. I like, I will them. give him credit. He did try to warn him from the beginning about the design he wanted to use. Some of the reactors we use here. In the US and other parts of the world, but the Soviets went against that to use their designs because they wanted to show superiority in engineering. That and, pride. Yeah, pride. pride and then too, on top of that, he did try to resign, but you know, the um the the party supervisor ripped his a letter of resignation up in his face, you know, holding him responsible. <laughs> 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 for what we're about to blame him for, you know, later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, But he he's still a piece of shit, but, you know, with a gun to the head, what can you do?
1: <laughs> but, uh, Kobai, I hate to do it to you, homie, but uh, we can't wait to have you actually back on the, the mic, you know, and uh, drink some brews with you and chill. We miss you, homie. Yeah, I miss most...
2: you guys too, man. And uh, w- once I get back, dude, we're gonna fucking blow some episodes out the water. I got some things planned up and uh, presenting some uh, some merch I got sitting at my house too that we're gonna actually sell. You know, we're we're trying to get away from uh, we we've been blessing people for too long. People yeah, are going to have to start right. paying for some for some actual good merchandise
0: nowadays. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. And inflation's a real thing. So, you know, even for what it's worth, you know, I feel like people are uh, be understanding about it. So, yeah, man, definitely looking forward to, to you coming back to land, you know, you know, shit. whenever you come through, man, we're going to bust them episodes now, man. Probably get a few things going for the for the listeners out there.
2: Hell yeah. I know you guys had a fucking, uh, a, a good time last night. You know, y'all probably had too good of a time last night, but, uh, drink, drink a couple extra uh, for me today. I, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You. Already
1: working on it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You motherfuckers
2: are fucked up yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, man. We went hard
1: last night, man. Hey, you better be, you better yeah. be practicing them bars too. Cause I, I've been, I've been, you know, rehearsing.
0: Yeah. You got some
1: competition. Oh, coming,
0: man. You might. Yeah, you might need to
2: work the pen a little bit before you get back. Hey, man, I'm already. I've been I, I feel like I've been stuck in fucking Groundhog Day, and you know those like those celebrity prisons people go to. Like, oh yeah, they have Wi Fi. <laughs> they have fucking nice food. Celebrity prisons. Yeah, like that one prison in, uh,
0: Arizona. I forget the yeah, name yeah, you, of it. You,
2: it's like it's like staying in a hotel, but you just can't leave. Like, oh, yeah, you're still in prison, but you can't leave. And I'm like, oh, well, that's how I feel. Like, you know, I got some bars for you, dude. You, trust me. I, I'm <laughs> coming for you, motherfucker. All you guys, all y'all do is fucking shit talk anyway. So it's all good. I'm, I'm coming with the fucking pressure. <laughs> Most definitely, man. But, yeah, it was great <laughs> having you. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank you guys for calling me, man. We'll do it again next week.
1: All right, bro. Uh, we'll holler. All right,
2: guys. Thank
1: y'all. All right, peace. Peace. Peace.
0: Uh, that was nice. Yeah, that was. Um, you know, a few, you know, a few connection errors with the Wi-Fi, but overall, I think that sounded pretty good.
1: Yeah, I got the. Uh, I'm uh, hoping that I can just mute the mic, uh, the mute, mute the line, and so when Ozzy Bear calls, open it and be easier for uh, Zane to edit. And I think this is a good time. To say, check out Thurko's podcast at 5000 com on all major streaming platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, anywhere and everywhere you want to listen to us, you can listen to us, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Cashbox, Audible, everywhere. And make sure you check out our TikTok videos. Help us get to a thousand followers while we can do some go live stuff. And it would really help the show. And y'all can chime in if you want to call and be a part of the show, be a guest. If you're an average Joe, average nine to five, 40 hour work week person, and you just want to come talk and be a part of this, you're more than welcome to. And if you know somebody that's an artist and would like to be artist of the week, let us know.
0: You know, share the joy. Of knowledge, and you know, you have a voice, and that voice has power, use it. You know, with knowledge, there's power.
1: Yes. So, uh, which number are we on now? We're on number 40. And uh, feel free, there's uh, there's 42 facts on there. If you don't want to read some of them, we got five pages of facts,
0: so. I mean, yeah, I'm going to crunch through some of them, because a lot of it is, like, interesting to take in, because it kind of ties into everything else we, um. All righty. Yeah, in 1986, some 50,000 residents lived in Pripyat. The other closest town, Chernobyl, it was a tiny house and only about 12,000 residents at the time. So, you know, it was like a small town where mostly like the scientists and the engineers and most of the workers live outside of the plant because they were assigned you know this uh, long career of a job. Yeah. You know, kind of touch back on. It was the project started in like 1972, but it took a course of five years for it to be completely finished, and it was finished with errors that were ignored from the Moscow chair and of the USSR. But moving down the list, thirty nine. The what? When the Chernobyl plant was built, it used four Soviet-designed RBMK 1000 nuclear reactors. You wouldn't often find this type of reactor today in modern plants. They got major flaws in their design and concept. 38. Electrifying. RBMK reactor heat waters with U-235 uranium creating steam that powers turbines and produces electricity. Basically, like, to kind of break it down, they were like high voltage. It's like, think of a battery pack and then you connect four batteries and your reactors are the batteries. They use compounds that we use to see things in everyday life, you know, protons, electrons, neurons. And when these reactors would heat up, these electrons and neurons and protons would heat up so much that it would create a steam that would generate a power that we know as nuclear energy. But they use water from the Pripyat River to cool these reservoirs, Whereas, like the power plant that we use, like at the hydroelectric companies, that are just uh, high pressure uh, reactor chambers, they go into easier design. Whereas they're more friendly to the environment. Whereas these coolers used uranium, which is a man-made substance and can turn to nuclear waste that doesn't break down for, you know, thousands of years. You know, and that's the big flaw with the RBMK reactors is that they produce more radioactive waste than a normal reactor due to its uh, design and what it calls for to generate this power. But uh, the crack in the foundation is 37. Today, most modern reactors use water as cooling moderator to help mitigate core reactivity, such as I explained. RBMK reactor lacked the main water moderator feature although they use water as a coolant. Instead, they use a graphite moderator, which does not stabilize the core as well. In fact, by keeping a continuous nuclear reaction, the core graphite actually makes the core more reactive. Damn. They found that out whenever the um, 2,000-ton cap that was made of graphite blew completely off of the top.
1: Uh, Blew off of what? Reactor 4, right? Yeah, it was Reactor 4. And how much was the roof? You said 20 tons? Uh 2000 tons. 2000 that forced to blow 2000 tons. The
0: force to blow 2000 tons that's, into that's pieces.
1: That's intense.
0: Like where you can kick the graphite from the cap of the reactor on the ground It's still
1: hot. So when uh, I was watching the uh, The Chernobyl on HBO plus, uh, HBO Max, they showed the firefighters going in the reactor 4, right? you know the dudes are walk you know walking with the hoses and stuff and there's just big chunks of like hot metal yeah. around and like one dude went to touch it and it burned through his gloves you yep. know what i'm saying that was the graphite roof right
0: yeah that was the graphite uh, roof
1: now it makes sense
0: yeah it made yeah because of the chemical reaction it made it more reactive 36, safety first. On the morning of April 26, just before the disaster, the plant performed a safety test that greatly contributed to the explosion. Ironic, right? Yeah, from the documentary I watched, they didn't know that the shutdown button could act as a detonator because of the cooling sequence that triggered the the chain reaction for the graphite to heat up. Improper training of employees. Improper training, Yep. Yep. So uh, good
1: job, USSR.
0: Good job, Russia. Congratulations. (laughs) We ain't forgot about you, Soundpad. We know you're there. Number thirty-five. Time is of the essence. What exactly was the safety test for? Well, if you needed to cool down the reactor, needed a massive twenty-eight metric tons of water coolant flow per hour, and the coolant pumps needed electricity, which in turn took about sixty to seventy-five seconds to supply from backup generators. In the worst-case scenario event of a power failure. So basically, for the utmost safety, the plant needed to find a way to briefly generate electrical power from an alternative source, a steam turbine, in order to engage the cooling pumps and ride out the minute or so without generating a problem. Uh, the problem, the plant couldn't do it, and the high-ups wanted to correct this safety issue. The test schedule for the night of the accident was supposed to help fix this.
1: Of course it didn't. Oh it's it's nice. It's my turn. 34. Uh, four times too many. The Chernobyl plant had failed this previous electrical power test no less than three times in previous years. They had tried and failed to generate alternative forms of power to make it through the 60-75 seconds in 1982, then again in 1984 and also in 1985 on April twenty-sixth of 19 19- 86, they tried again, and that's when Reactor 4 was set to shut down for maintenance. They were actually going to shut down Reactor 4 to work on it, but they ran that test run, is which...
0: You know, the funny thing about that test was a day before, it was scheduled a day before, but they ran into some problems at like one... In the morning, like where there was a spike in the readings. Yeah. But they waited about 15 to 30 minutes to wait to see if it did anything else. But nothing happened. So they just resumed the protocol. There was no follow up as to what triggered the spike, which later on they found out there was a leak in one of the water valves where the air pressure had locked. So you need air pressure to run the water at the metric units that you need per pound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever the air pressure locked into place, it caused the spike to go up, but it stopped reading because there was a maintenance error. It was a mechanical error.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't picked up till too late.
0: It wasn't registered until, you know, they did the cool down test and they hit the button and they blew the, they blew it up. They fucked up. (laughs) Hold on. I should have checked the sound pad. Oh,
1: definitely Uh, Definitely
0: the more, you know,
1: (laughs) uh, 33 safety last. Neither the chief designer of the reactor nor the scientific manager were involved in the fourth attempt uh, safety uh, test. The director of the plant was informed, but even his approval did not follow proper procedures for this safety test. So when they when they did do this, they went against all protocol. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 32. A series of unfortunate events. Sounds like a movie I heard of before. Over the course of the day during April 25th, in preparation for the test, the reactor was put into a increasingly fragile state. Many safety procedures were bypassed and other mistakes were made so that by the evening the reactor would not be able to automatically recuperate uh, if something went wrong. 31. Surging ahead, the, dis- uh, the disaster struck during the test, partly because of the attempts to boost the reactor's output a bit. The reactor experienced an unexpected power surge. The reactor was supposed to be operating at about 700 MWs for the test. It rocketed to over 3,000 MWs.
0: Yeah, 500 MWs is the lethal dose that it takes for radiation Damn. to poison a body completely.
1: No wonder so many people, like, just the workers there just died.
0: It was released in their, like, five Mb's a second. So, like, seven minutes of exposure, and most of those people were in that plant for
1: hours. Yeah, like, just just dying. 30 domino effect. The power surge caused a series of explosions in the core, which then put out radiation... Uh, radioactive isotopes into the atmosphere and, and started a fire, which why the firefighters were called... Yeah, that's what they were called. Uh, the fire only made things worse. It carried the isotopes further since the reactor wasn't increasingly in a safe container. 29, blow the roof off this place. <laughs> uh, you covered it a second uh, a while ago, but uh, when the explosion happened... 2,000-ton plate that covered the reactor core was blown off. That's how intense the reaction was. A second even more powerful explosion just happened moments after the first and blew the entire building apart. Yeah, I
0: forgot about that part. Yeah, the second one was Even reactor than the first. three
1: had damage from reactor four exploding. 28, fire outside. The fire raged for a week, and high plumes of radioactive smoke bellowed into the air over vast parts of the land, even going over large areas of Western Soviet Union and parts of Europe. 60% of the fallout settled over Bulgaria, which was close by. 27 to infinity and beyond. Man, that sounds familiar. Does. The very, very few survivors who were on scene that they reported seeing bluish light in the reactor hall this was caused by the oh I'm gonna mess this up ionization of the air that looked like it flooded into infinity. Twenty six. No quick thinking. There was no immediate evacuation for Pripyat.
0: Yeah, Pripyat. Pripyat. Yeah, no immediate evacuation. And
1: would take thirty six hours before Soviet officials evacuated everyone within a ten mile radius of the plant. 36 hours, a day and a half after the motherfucker blew up. You know what I'm saying?
0: You know, it spread over a course of like 72,000 square miles throughout Europe, you know, days in, it just reached, you know, it took three days for it to reach Sweden, I want to say, like, because of the way the wind was blowing, it would just cause the wind to draft up north. But yeah, going down the list at number 25, that's so metal. Now, that sounds like a cliche. Those mere 36 hours took a staggering toll on the residents of Pripyat. They experienced headaches, vomiting, and a strange metallic taste in their mouths. know that's their uranium. More than likely or those isotopes, you know, binding in the oxygen. You know, they that gives, like, that sense of smell of the metal. But, uh, 24, a quick trip. Officials told evacuees that they would be returning to their homes within days. Many only took the most essential of their items with them. You know, it goes down in a time of crisis where those essentials are necessary. So, you know, you can't bring it all with you when you're gone. You know, you can only take what you got. 23, Diaspora. In the week, officials expanded the evacuation radius from 10 kilometers to 30 kilometers. or in Americans layman's. miles to 18.6 miles, resulting in another 68,000 evacuees. Residents of Chernobyl would be included in the second round of evacuations. Although the first year, more than 135,000 were evacuated in the long term, in the years to follow, about 350,000 people would have have to be relocated. Oh, Over a quarter million people have to relocate because of one man. One man's error.
1: Did we get to his name yet?
0: Oh, no, we haven't gotten to his name yet. 22. A quick death. No, I just said his first name to go back to his Victor, but I'll get to the last name. Damn you, Victor. 22. A quick death. A number of plant workers died within hours of the explosion. As the days went on, more would succumb to the high levels of radiation. The fires raged and the radiation continued to seep out mostly from iodine-131, cesium-134, and cesium-137, a long death. Iodine-131 has a short half-life, eight days, is quickly absorbed, often settling into the thyroid gland. Hello, thyroid cancer. <laughs> <laughs> the two
3: <laughs>
0: the two cesium isotopes, however, have much longer half-lives. Cesium-137, for the example, has a half-life of 30 years, of the writing of this article, we have just passed that 30-year mark, which means that radiation is still very much around. Damn. So at number 20, we have the heroic. The U.S. Nuclear Re- Regulatory Commission estimates that 28 Chernobyl workers died from radiation exposure within four months of the disaster. Some of these workers knew full well what they were getting themselves into, but selflessly tried to help contain the radiation from leaking further. So, yeah, 28 people died in the act of valor trying to contain the mess that they made. You know, so um, if there's any honor in that, you know.
1: I'll take a sip for that. Yeah, yeah, I'll give a toast to the
0: men that at least tried to, you know, do what was right in the line of duty to make sure the world was a safer place. One second. And to the honorable dead. Yeah, to the honorable that have fallen. Number 19. The not-so-honorable Soviets keeping secrets.
1: (laughs) Oh, shit. What a surprise. (laughs) What a surprise.
0: The Soviets dragged their feet on fully announcing the disaster and releasing any information about it. What made them actually emit proper information regarding the explosion, you ask? Nuclear arms that were set off in Sweden. That's how far the radiation had traveled by the winds. God damn. Sweden, people. The peaceful mountainous, cleanest, probably one of the most beautiful places in the world. Shout out Sweden. Love you guys. I think they've listened to this show. Don't know
1: which part of Sweden, but thank y'all for listening out there.
0: You know, despite what you did to ASAP Rocky those years ago, I still love (laughs) (laughs) y'all. So at number 18, you know, to bring it back, that thyroid cancer, the exact amount of thyroid cancer cases from iodine-131 I'm sorry, from i 131 in Russia, Ukraine and Belarus linked to the Chernobyl accident will never be known. But estimates place it around 6,000. During the aftermath, officials recommended their residents drink vodka to stave off thyroid cancer.
2: Vodka. Mother yeah. Russia.
1: Yeah. Gotta From, drink that vodka. I'm the worst person with accents. I have I have no accents besides this Louisiana generated one I have. <laughs> For Mother Russia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> vodka is our choice of drink. Yeah. Okay, number seventeen, fear mongering. Fears about health concerns include leukemia and other cancers were rampant. Doctors even suggested that women who are pregnant have abortions so their babies wouldn't have any issues.
1: Damn, that's 17, right?
0: Yeah, that's number 17. Yeah, that's a tragedy for those women who had to, you know, abort babies from that, their babies. You know, who is to say they would have been their one baby? You know, they could have been a super baby that developed the DNA, the mutated <laughs> DNA that I was mean, able that's a to, positive the, look the, on it. You know, the positive look, man, you killing off the possibility of prolonging this thing by, you know, the lack of research on a...
1: Yeah, but that's uh, when you look, a little thing, but uh, you look at like Hiroshima and Nagasaki and you look at uh, some of the radiation births after that, some kids are being born with like seven, eight toes and finger, oh, yeah. uh, horribly disfigured and stuff. So that, yeah, that doesn't misshaping. surprise
0: me. Yeah, so the same thing could happen after these, you know, it's like, you know, I was going in a line of sense with the animals because, you know, some animals was being born with four legs, but then their DNA mutated to adapt to the environment that's around them. You know, who's to say humans couldn't do the same?
1: Not to digress this further, but I have to. Did you have you seen the things where like uh some like German uh like German scientists uh had did test on like putting like animals on top of other animals? Like I think they put a dog's head on top of like a, another dog's head and yeah. it lived and shit.
0: Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. That uh, just made me
1: think about like, like mutation. Like yeah.
0: Yeah, transplant surgeries and how they perfected it for for the humans.
1: That might be a topic we need to write down for later. Medical weird signs you hear a little static. I wonder if that's from that, that phone line, but uh, keep going. Uh, number 16, the red forest. The environment also took a big hit. The trees in the surrounding area all died, their leaves turned to bright ginger, like in uh, eternal autumn. There, uh, <laughs> the area is known as the red forest, or aka Kobas' crops, aka Kobas' nuts. <laughs> uh, Whenever he freeballing in Chernobyl. <laughs> But in time, the trees were bulldozed and burned in the trenches. 15. Sarcophagus. A concrete encasement, known as a sarcophagus, was built over reactor 4 in an effort to contain any future radiation. The actual effectiveness of this covering was widely debated and A new safe containment was put on top of reactor for in 2016. It reminds me of like that dome thing from South Park in the movie. What about the Simpsons? I mean, no, no, the Simpsons. Yeah, Yeah, my bad. The Simpsons. The Simpsons movie where they put the dome and then they were going to drop the little, the bomb to blow up the city and shit.
0: right. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that too as well, you know, in a sense like what it's related to. Like a lot of people try to conspire to say that it's related to other things like about the global warming, but that's definitely directed towards nuclear fallout and how to cap off a radiation containment and how to zone off uh, coordinates.
1: Fourteen, short days, long-term effects. Any worker on the site... Was subject to strict labor laws because of the radiation exposure. They could only work five hours a day for one month and they must take 15 days off after. 13. 14 more years. Surprisingly enough, the Chernobyl plant was in operation until the year 2000 and still used the same RBMK reactors. 12. Just wild. The Thirteen k which is eighteen point six miles for us here in the United States area around Chernobyl is called a zone of alienation, even though with its name three hundred inhabitants refused to leave and still live there to this day. Number eleven, no trespassing by two thousand sixteen hundred and eighty seven Ukrainians had moved back to the area as well. Starting in 2011, the Ukraine government also began allowing tourists to come visit the Chernobyl plant.
0: Right, like uh, such as I mentioned over the phone.
1: 10, the wildlands. Because of the lack of competing human life in the area surrounding the plant, a wide variety of wildlife lives in the remaining woodland wolves, deer, lynx, beavers, eagles, boars, elk. Deers and a number of other species called Chernobyl home. Some of the animals still show traces of I was gonna I was gonna say semen. oof. <laughs> uh Sikkim 137 and stunted tree growth is very present. Number nine, life finds a way always. The National Academy of Scientists of Ukraine and one of the few groups allowed to keep track of the ongoings of animals in the affected area. In 2016, they released a study that detailed observations over a week, uh, five week period. camera footage showing a bison, 21 boars, nine badgers, 26 gray wolves, 60 raccoon dogs and 10 red foxes. And I got eight pre-collapse. You got the info for that one.
0: Yeah, for the pre-collapse, we got Mariana. I don't know. I ain't about to butcher your last name. Schiff Greer, a wolf expert from the National Academy of Sciences, believes the land can return to a pre-plant state with help from beavers. If the beavers can bring down trees, the land will eventually become bog rich. It will also become like it was 100 years ago what Mariana told National Geographic. At number seven, a long, long, long long-lasting effect. Don't be fooled by all of the wildlife living in a disaster area, though. Ukrainian officials estimate that the land around the Chernobyl plant won't be habitable for humans for 20,000 years. Good job. Way to make that a permanent reservation for the animals to thrive. Maybe you can learn an example or so You know, if you document the effects of how the animals live peacefully, if humans could do the same, I think the world would be better if we could coincide with one another, you know, set aside predatory and greedy ambitions. I digress. Number six, the good news. It's not all doom and gloom. The United Nations Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation released an encouraging report in 2010. There's a tendency, report stated, to attribute increases in the rates of all cancers over the time to the Chernobyl accident, but it should be noted that increases were also observed before the accident in the affected areas. The report goes on to say that radiation level, the population was comparable to or a few things higher than the natural background levels and future exposures continue to slowly diminish as the nuclides decay. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so there is no number five. There's two number sixes.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. My mistake, Error.
0: <laughs> number four, the financial costs. The economic fallout also should not be ignored. Mikhail Gorbachev estimated that the Soviet Union spent the equivalent of a U.S. $18 billion, not adjusted for inflation, by the way, you guys. So, you know, that inflation could... Impact that number to contain and decontaminate the disaster zone. 18 billion post inflation.
1: That's a lot of money. That's a lot of dinero.
0: So at number three, Kachin. Costs keep coming too. The Chernobyl forum suggests that in <laughs> Ukraine, five to seven percent of government spending is still set aside for the Chernobyl related reasons. Good job, Ukraine.
1: Damn.
0: I mean, it wasn't your fault. Or set aside something. Well, I mean, it ain't like they got much of a fucking choice, though. (laughs) Number two, even more fallout. (laughs) Although the causes are, of course, complex, the financial, human, and moral cost of the Chernobyl disaster were undoubtedly key contributors to the collapse and dissolution of the USSR in 1991. After becoming independent countries, both Ukraine and Belarus lowered the threshold for legal amounts of radiation. And at number one, contagion. There are still dangers to watch out for if the woodland area near the Chernobyl plant catches fire, it will spread radioactive material through the winds.
1: Which probably could cover countries, too, like it did the first time.
0: Right, yeah, because fire spread, you know, the wind carries things, and it only takes a few amount of days it kind of makes me think about 2020 a little bit you know right at the end of 2019 you know at a certain time when the world was suffering and started at a place and then it just kind of like slowly spread and then it eventually made its course
1: around the world but
0: I ain't ain't gonna think about about. you know we ain't gonna say the word Uh, but you know
1: but you know that's that's another radiation of its own (laughs) So I want to bring up some of the entertainment values that have came from this disaster and people have profited it on. Got some movies that if y'all want to check out, you know, if y'all listen to the show and y'all want to have like, uh, you know, check out some of this shit I'm about to tell you all about, but uh, there's a movie called the Russian woodpecker that was released in 2015 that actually won a Sundance grand jury prize and it's all about was Chernobyl a crime? So
0: I feel like it was because the you know I'm gonna say his full name Victor Burenkov. You know, in my in my American accent, Victor Burenkov. Okay,
1: I got another one. Uh, Chernobyl Heart. It was released in 2003. It won an Academy Award uh, Award Short Film Award and uh. It was a hard look at the aftermath of Chernobyl, more specifically the heart condition affecting children near the disaster zone. The children's stories and families uh, gripping with life-threatening and fatal heart uh, health problems in the remainder of Chernobyl. Then uh, another film you can check out is White Horse, which was released in 2008. It won a Filmmakers Academy Award. And White Horse follows Maximum Shurkoff. I think I actually said that right. Shurkoff. You did. Uh, as he returns <laughs> to his childhood home. Uh, damn, I'm going fuck up the name. Primith? Uh Pripyat? Pripyat. Yeah, Pripyat, Pripyat. Pripyat for the first time since he evacuated in 18, uh, 1986 as a 10 year old. It's both a personal account and a eerie look at the abandoned city he once called home as a child. The Battle of Chernobyl is a film that was released in 2006. The Battle of Chernobyl follows the Soviet Union's attempt to cover up and downplay the disaster and the containment efforts, preventing another explosion that threatened to devastate much of Europe. Throughout footage and documents that believe became available in the 90s, the film examines the conditions that led to the reactor meltdown and subsequently handling of the disaster by the government that kept people in the dark. Number five, Chernobyl 3828, which was released in 2011. It's a short Ukrainian document film consistently, largely on the on-site footage and tells a story of month long containment efforts following the meltdown told by Valeric. Sundum who was a part of the effort. The story reflects on how over 4,000 people who risked and sacrifices their life to clear the dangerous and highly contaminated area. So those are uh, some films that y'all can check out. Cleve, would you like to read some of the shows that are out there? Sure. Yeah, pass me that over there. I'll pass you this information. It's got some nice little highlighted areas. You'll see it and move to the next page to have the rest.
0: Okay. So for this little, Oh, here, we ain't done it. The whole episode, it's almost been an
1: hour and we ain't done it yet.
0: So for shows, we got the surviving disaster. Surviving disaster was a 2006 BBC series in which Each episode dealt with the fallout of a major disaster like the San Francisco earthquake and the eruption of Mount St. Helens. Episode three, however, is about the Chernobyl nuclear disaster with comedian Adrian Edmondson playing Valerie Legasov, the character played by Jared Harris in Chernobyl. Mason said of the show on Twitter, it's somewhat different vibe than ours, but I think it's terrific. Number two, The Real Chernobyl. Following the success on Now TV, the stream service released a series of documentaries telling the true story about the disaster. First of these was The Real Chernobyl. A synopsis of this read following the success of the Sky Atlantic drama series, the special documentary heads to Ukraine to meet some of the people involved in dealing with the Chernobyl nuclear disaster in 1986. This documentary is not on now TV and Sky Go Now will air on Sky Atlantic on Sunday, July 7th at 9 p.m. And number three, we got Chernobyl radiophobia. The second. Oh, back to
1: those phobias uh, again. What's <laughs> uh, it glo- uh, shout out to episode 179? Glostrophobia, uh, glossophobia, the glossophobia, glossophobia. Yeah, check it out
0: on all mainstream platforms. Yeah, the summary of, for this documentary is a group of survivors who were on duty at the reactor at Fateful Night returned to Chernobyl's radioactive song to reconcile their past with the ruins of the present. This documentary runs for 53 minutes and now exclusive on to Now TV. And then Chernobyl 3828. Chernobyl 3828 is Maze's top recommended Chernobyl documentary, according to Twitter thread he wrote, giving a read list of his favorite books and films on the project. 30-minute documentary looks at the cleanup of the area following the disaster, named after the 3,828 people who worked on this project. Chernobyl Heart at number five. So far, the only film about Chernobyl to win an Oscar is Chernobyl Heart, which won the Academy Award for Best Short Documentary in 2003. The 39-minute film, first broadcast on HBO in 2003, focuses on the health of the children from the area of Chernobyl. And then we have also on the list the video games.
1: Oh, yeah. Pass that yeah, shit back I, over yeah, here. you got that, man. I always try to make that sound work, and I don't think I can. So these are video games based from the Chernobyl accident slash whatever you think it really happened. But uh, these are some popular games that had spawned from that. Stalker 2, The Heart of Chernobyl, which was released in 2023. Road to Death was released in 2019. Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, which was released in 2007. Then you got Chernobyl Liquidators you got Stalker Clear Sky in 2008. You got Chernobyl, The Untold Stories. You got Splinters, which was released in 2024. You got Swan, which is S.W.A.N. Dot 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 Chernobyl Unexplored. And then you got Escape from Chernobyl, which was released in 2018. Then okay. you got The Voice of Chernobyl, Chernobyl 1986, Chernobyl Inferno, Chernobyl Commando, Chernobyl Nuclear Power Simulation, <laughs> Escape from Chernobyl, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which was remastered in 2016, and then Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl, and Chernobyl Light, which, shout out China, she is playing Chernobyl Light now. Yeah, that's Chernobyl in the nutshell.
0: Yeah, just a few lists of things, you know, just to kind of like, you know, dial into along the lines of the facts. No, it's just, you know, with all of this, how do you feel about the effects of Chernobyl to impacts the European people?
1: Uh, well, when I was digging in the research and I see if it ever catches on fire and the winds blow, it can affect all of Europe. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a real big thing.
0: Doesn't that feel like a ticking time bomb? Yeah. Like if just some anarchists were just to like go to the forest one day, it's like, you know what? I think I want to do this. And then they just light a fire and then boom, there you have it. It's like, there has to be a way that I feel that research could go into developing, like a way to speed up the clean and the effects of this area, rather than to let nature take its course. Yeah, You know, like more research should be developed into that. But I feel like at the cost of what's going on, there's not enough resources that would allow because of the government's thin play. You know, it's like when there's funding involved, a lot of people don't like to cut into their funding, and it just kind of goes into health reasons. It goes into, like, environmental reasons. How much do people really care about the world? You know, the, the place that we live, it's like the very place we live in, we have materials that could potentially destroy it. And without proper training, without proper safety protocol, you know, without the proper know and the knowledge of like how to handle these experiences, you know, um, there should be more developments made into, you know, the measures of preventing these hazardous situations. Like if AI was used for good, they could, pre, you know, they could pre emulate simulators and scenarios like the thousand scenarios like if this go wrong what do you do if this go wrong to follow up with the proper trainer receive while recovering breakthrough technology but we haven't reached that yet because the people are selfish but um I digress from one topic though like I did kind of want to dive into like the person directly responsible or the ones that the USSR appointed to be held responsible because the man held responsible was actually trying to get out of it. But he, when he accepted the job, he didn't realize that it came with, um, let's just say, like the Hollywood diaspora does the same thing to his actors whenever they hold them to a contract. You know, anybody that's striving for that, you know, let me not say too much about that because we on the air. (laughs) So for the, you know, the Medal of Honor goes to Victor Brukhanov. He was officially held responsible for what happened. He helped build and run the plant. Also played a role in how the disaster was managed, you know, but a little bit about his background. Like he gained a degree in electrical engineering. He had worked as a, uh, as a duty deaerator, and inst- I'm oh, sorry if I butchered that, a duty deaerator installer, which is something we have at our plant. Like to, you know, it's, a uh, it's basically like a filter for a boiler system and it oxidizes like the chemicals that's burnt off to turn it into breathable oxygen. Like he started off designing and building those. Yeah. Then, um. You know, he moved up to like a feed pump driver and then he was a turbine driver before quickly rising as a senior turbine workshop engineer slash supervisor. You know, he became director one year later of this whole operation. You know, his works were renowned in 1970. The energy ministry offered him the opportunity to lead the building in the Ukraine's first nuclear power plant that we know as Chernobyl. Yeah, it was built along the Pripyat River. He recommended using pressurized water reactors, which is some of the reactors that we use here in the U.S. and throughout the world. You know, his choices were overruled by the high power channel type reactor or the reactor that we mentioned earlier in the episode that uses the uranium plutonium, the cesium-134, cesium-137, etc., all the chemicals that the Soviets wanted to use, they overruled it with this choice. And then the building of this project wasn't completely smooth. Deadlines were missed because of, like, the unreal schedules, the lack of equipment, and defective materials. Three years in, it was still unfinished, and he tried to resign because of the pressure from his superiors. You know, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, like his letter of resignation was ripped up by the party supervisor. So he kept his job and the plant was running up and running operational September twenty seventh, nineteen seventy seven, you know, roughly eight eight to nine years before the accident, you know, took place. Pretty interesting, like how, you know, in the events of these disasters, like how things like line out when A person knows, like, there's errors, there's flaws. You're telling your superiors, hey, like, we need to do it, to fix it. And they're rushing the assignment, like, with these unrealistic schedules. It's like, your demand for the means to get it done isn't met with the resources that were available to get it done right. Then the suggestion that the guy made, you know, to use the pressurized reactors rather than the RMCB, uh, I forget the. I forget the initials, but for the lack of butchering it, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Graphite conductors versus water, you know, pressurized water conductors. There it is. There it is.
1: Did it show up eventually. So I just had like a brain thought. So when we finish our, like our topic of the week, I want to end with what's your final thoughts about Chernobyl, Cleave, and what's your main takeaway from all the information we got. Final
0: thoughts on Chernobyl: Learn from your mistakes. You know, Mikhail Gorbachev. You know, he acknowledged like it gave him thought to you know many things when that meltdown happened, and just like savoring man, like mankind, you know, the animal kingdom, the nature that's involved, all down to the water system because most of that radioactive material settled at the bottom of the Pripyat River and water system spread throughout. Most of it's drinkable now, but I still wouldn't trust it, in my opinion. opinion. You know, final thoughts on it is just safety first. I
1: guess that's my final thoughts, too, is like just safety first. Damn, that just sucks. You know what I'm saying? Just a bad situation all the way around. Could have been avoided.
0: It all could have been avoided if some people would have listened and didn't take shortcuts.
1: Try to save a dollar, I guess.
0: Yeah, trying to save a dollar on a on a $50 million budget.
1: But I guess that's our take into Chernobyl. Uh, make sure you check out Third Coast Podcast at 5000 com on all major streaming platforms. And we're going to take a short pause, and then we're going to come back with Phone In Artists of the Week, and we're going to wrap up this episode. All right, so we're about to introduce this new thing that we're trying out. I know y'all heard Kobai. The phone call earlier, but we're going to actually phone in our artists of the week. Let's see if Mr. Ozzy Bear answers the phone. Hopefully I paid my phone bill this week. See if we get some ring action going on. Let's see how this goes. Uh-oh. Hey. Oh, hello. Can you hear us? Yep. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you pretty good. Right. Welcome to uh, Third Coast Podcast. What's up, Ozzy Bear? Oh, not a whole
4: lot. Just um, I do a lot of work for other people like writing and mixing and mastering. So got some work finished up for some clients and now I'm just hanging out with you guys.
0: Yeah, that's what's up, man. It's like good to hear that. By telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you like to do
4: yeah my name's austin i go by ozzy bear and um pretty well just a solo singer songwriter uh, make my own beats produce my own music and just something i've really enjoyed doing for a, a long time i was the weird homeschooled kid my whole life i never actually spent a day in public school so okay i had like this crazy amount of time on my hands and um, had to find something to fill that time with. So. It's pretty well music all the time.
0: Oh yeah, that's what's up, man. Like uh around the time you started, like what inspired you to, you know, more so like just dive in what genre of music would you classify yourself as, or if there is a classification?
4: So the weird thing with my music is I I kind of fit into that post hardcore vibe, like Hawthorne Heights and yeah, taking back Sunday, that you know, kind of midwestern emo, they're yeah, calling yeah. it. But but, like, I genre hop. So, like, I keep that, what what they call sad boy vibe going, but...
0: Right. Uh, yeah, between... Element, respectively, okay. Yeah,
4: most definitely. But, like, one minute, it's kind of like a Lil' Lotus track, where it's got the... Kind of like, you know, hip hop drums or trap drums. And but then, you know, another song will have like acoustic drums and distorted guitars. And so it's the same like concept, but it's always a different style of music.
0: I understand where you're coming from. There's an ambience to it. So there's like a like it's a virtual amount of elements that you would probably add to it to make your sound unique. Could you tell us a little bit about the song this week?
4: Yeah, so the song that I wanted to go with was Isolate, and I have depression, pretty bad depression, and the song kind of stems from the things that we deal with with depression, where we kind of keep in close quarters away from the world, we kind of shut the world out, you know, all that self-doubt that prevents you from wanting to associate with people, uh, questioning your place in people's lives, right, and... Basically, the, the message that's being conveyed is all the things you miss along the way.
0: Right. Yeah. You I, know, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I was listening. I was just going to say that Um, I, I do feel where you're coming from because I was just venting a joke. What was it, last yeah, night?
1: Uh, uh, last night, yeah, yeah.
0: last night, you know, I, like, showed up with 2 bad bad-days on my knuckles. I was like, yo, man, like, I'm going through it. <laughs> he was, like, there to console and comfort me. It was like, yo, just remember, we're here for you. I was like, yeah, I, I know that, but I was like, you know, I'm in my head right now. And, you know, it's like, I'm not sure, but I, I want to talk about it, but I can't. So it just goes into, you know, anxiety, depression, you know, things so that where we're dealing with self-control, which is what it all boils down to. Definitely. So, yeah, like if at the end of the day, um, I definitely do appreciate the words that, I've, you know, that you were able to share with us about the song and stuff. It, You know, it kind of relates to a personal situation. <laughs> I think that's cool. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's such a... Oh, I'm sorry. Go
1: ahead. Oh, uh, no, I was just... Damn, I interrupted. My bad. The only thing I was going to ask is, which state do you live in, Aussie Bear? Indiana. Indiana.
4: Yep, yeah, in good old Southwest Indiana, out by Indianapolis and Vincennes uh, area, Bloomington.
1: What's your favorite thing to eat in Indiana? Like, what's that staple Indiana food that, like, if I would go to visit Indiana from Louisiana, what would be the thing that you'd be like, "Hey, this is an Indiana thing you need to eat." 'Cause down here we that's how we talk, you gotta feed us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Indiana's known
4: for corn. We have more corn than anything else. I mean, there's literally signs when you're on the highway that just says corning like seven miles. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Um, living here my entire life, I've noticed that it seems like we have more diners than anything in the entire world. So or any other place. So okay. I would say go to one of the diners. It's Well, our gas station food though—gas station food here is really good. I hear that's not a normal thing in a lot of places.
1: Oh, oh, down here that's a big thing.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's that's a big thing. Hot box, yeah, the hot box is where it's at. Yeah, you
4: go uh, any gas station. I mean, you're gonna find either really good pizza that you haven't heard of before, uh, really good fried foods like chicken, fried mushrooms, uh, corn dogs. Like every gas station, it's crazy.
0: Corn nuggets corn dogs oh corn dogs okay all right are they like yeah. the jumbo corn dogs like you know they you know like are they foot long are they six inch or, or is no it just you gotta go to the corn? fair for that oh, okay <laughs> all right yeah just making sure i know they they have like the like the new york coney dogs like you know it's yep. like you know the ex yeah we're not bougie enough for
1: all that <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so uh austin what what is your biz, uh, biggest musical influence Oh, dare I say it. <laughs>
4: um, the Beatles are truly my biggest influence because I just, I overanalyze everything they've ever done. And, you know, there's there certain colleges out there where they actually teach the scales and things that the Beatles invented by accident due to not knowing what the hell they were doing. So I have a lot of respect for them. You know, they broke a lot of the rules because they wanted to try new things. And their engineer, George Martin, would be like, well, that's a big no-no. In the recording world, they'd say, but how do we do it?
0: Yeah, the structure and the balance of it, they went outside of those boundaries to make new breakthroughs in the way music is today.
4: Yeah, and one of the things I thought was really cool is John Lennon apparently was very self-conscious of his own voice, which I think a majority of the world would think that's silly, but he would actually, uh, him and Paul both, would have the tapes slowed down or sped up just to change the sounds of their voice, so it sounded different.
0: Right. Yeah, like I I actually read that up a while back, like in my own personal research, like with different musics. I'm a composer as well. Like I've written all forms of, you know, everything from contemporary gospel music. I started playing in a metal band in high school with, you know, with Gator and a few of the boys back in school. You know, just the Beatles have always kind of like touch the light on me as well. I've never done deeper research, but talking with you, I'm definitely more interested in looking into what more they have had to offer, you know, outside of the music.
4: Oh yeah. I mean, they just, they broke a lot of rules. They tried a lot of new things. And for a while I was kind of, uh, trying to, cause I have a, most of my friends don't like the Beatles and I've just had to learn to accept what? I'm the
3: minority. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> I know I'm, I, I'm and, just gonna uh, chime in and say that I don't like the Beatles at all. You don't. No. <laughs> my point I, I, exactly. I'm not I'm not dissing though. That's just my personal preference, you know.
4: And and that's totally fine. You know, a lot of people like David Bowie and Prince, you know, I'm not huge fans of them, but you know, I can't argue that they didn't have a huge, huge impact on what music is, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, it's all dependent on the perspective.
4: And I'm sure people will hear this, and you know they'll be ready to rip what I say apart. But from what I've experienced personally, uh, and this is how I used to sell the Beatles to my friends, because my friends were all metalheads, is that the song "Good Morning, Good Morning" had, from what I heard, I mean 1967, the first double bass like consistently is like a for like the last 20, 30 seconds of the song revolution at the end of it john is literally just screaming over and over the word all right and i'm sitting here like helter skelter you know it's technically a metal song
1: Aww.
0: and yeah that song was I, the birth of thrash music believe it or not a lot of people don't know that but you know since we're on the topic yeah, yeah I'm I, I gotta go check on that, on that out yeah. now see information you need to dude. look deeper yeah they they have so, a connection to it
4: yeah so i mean you take you know the for, again, this is the earliest I could find. I'm sure someone will, you know, correct me, but between like having the first consistent fast double bass screaming on a recording, like constant screaming. And
0: I mean, I feel like they pioneered metal. In some ways they geared towards it, like with the vocal aspect and the patterns and paired with uh Jimi Hendrix's guitar, because he did a lot of things to, like personally, to my experience, you know, he's in my top five favorites along with the Beatles and Aerosmith and other bands that I'll mention later. But, but yeah, like, you know, most definitely I do, you know, I, I I have a personal appreciation for the Beatles as well. So you're not alone. You know,
4: (laughs) ever since Paul McCartney was exposed to Jimi Hendrix in the seventies, I've seen this all over, like my YouTube shorts and TikToks. Every time someone says, to Paul McCartney, who is your favorite guitarist? Who do you believe is the best guitarist to ever play? Jimi Hendrix, every time is his answer. Uh, I can't say I blame him. Dude could shred. I mean, he played like on a right handed upside down and was able to shred these innovative yeah, pieces. It, the, the innovation way he did.
0: is what I look at mostly. Like his patterns, and then just the way he worked with licks while using his voice. Cause he, he wanted to be a singer, but his voice wasn't up to par. So he used his music to sing for him along lines with uh, the collaborative, like collaborative efforts that he made and meeting the other musicians along his journey. You know, my goal
4: um, as a musical performer is to go on stage and perform with. The amount of chill he has. I actually prefer watching him play over listening to him play because he looks so relaxed and I just strive for that.
0: It could be attained, you know, it's like the power of your words speaks into its own fruition. So if you believe it, you can achieve it. I believe that. Kind of ties into the words of wisdom I want to give.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to uh, keep it short with you, Austin, because we'd like to keep it around an hour and 30 for the show. And thank you so much for coming on and being our first artist online interview. And thank you again for hosting another song on the show and give the listeners your handles and where they can find you and listen to you at.
4: Well, I'm honored that you guys had me and uh, it's been fun.
0: You guys are awesome. Oh yeah, it was definitely appreciated. We got to touch on some things, get to learn a little bit more about who Ozzy Bear is exactly, you know, and the and the works and the makings that he has to offer now. And hopefully we hear more from you in the future.
4: Oh, most definitely. Yeah, we should do this again. This is fun.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely, man. Like you got the line, you know, it's available on any episode or however we can have it arranged. Awesome. I appreciate you guys.
1: And if you got any people you want us to prank call in the future, we're de- definitely going to dabble <laughs> into that w- since we got this phone line in. So if you want us to make a prank call to someone, we got you.
0: Yeah, hit that up off air.
1: <laughs> that could be interesting
0: and devastating. All of how you want to plan it, uh, your favors. It could be <laughs> um,
4: um, did you say that it was time to plug some stuff? Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. Ozzybird.com is where I sell my merch at. So t-shirts, whatever, you'll find it there. And uh, TikTok is tiktok.com slash Ozzie Bear. Instagram is Ozzie Bear Official. And I have a Facebook page, just Ozzie Bear. Same thing on YouTube. It's pretty well Ozzie Bear, Ozzie Bear Official across the board. Yeah, just like all together, just
0: AussieBear, Bear, lowercase. Yep. Okay.
4: Yep. And uh, that's one of the things that it kind of surprises me. A lot of people get the username wrong. I, it's actually intentionally um, anywhere. It's all one word, lowercase, to resemble a username.
0: Oh, All right. That's yeah, that's dope. dope as shit. Yeah, that's, you know. That
4: was how I got the name. I, I, my TikTok was ozzybear 182 and everyone started calling me Ozzy and associating my music with Aussie Bear. So I just kind of got stuck with it from my username. So I'm trying to keep that alive.
0: Most definitely.
1: Hey, some of the uh, greatest things are generated by accident. Yeah,
4: unfortunately.
1: <laughs> Shout out the song we're going to play, and then we uh, holler at you later, bro.
4: Yup. And I'm, like I said, it's going to be isolate, and I'm excited for everybody to it. Hope hope people enjoy it. Oh, yeah, just as much as we will, hopefully. All right. Thank you guys so much for having me.
1: All right, bro. We love you from the state of Louisiana, man, the boot.
4: The love's coming back from Indiana. I appreciate you guys.
0: All right, most definitely take care. You have a good evening. You guys too. See ya. See ya.
1: Yes, I think that went over very yeah, well. Smooth and
0: effective.
1: Got a little bit of time left, and we got to tackle the thing we always tackle at the end of the episode a little bit of words of wisdom. Would you like to go first, Cleve? Would you like me to take the honors this week? Yeah,
0: you could take the honors this week.
1: I guess my words of wisdom is if it's cold outside, bring your furry friends inside because even though they have a whole bunch of fur on them and they're annoying and they chew up everything that you own and pee on your wall and you still buy them treats and you love them. So bring them inside when it's cold because would you like to be outside in the cold? I think that's a hard (laughs) no. A little furry love at the end of the show.
0: Yeah. Much respect to the furry love. Yeah, I think my words of wisdom is just to be a listening ear. A lot of times, you know, when people are going through things, no matter the person, who they are, how they relate to you, past, present, future. If somebody has something that they need to say, let them finish. Get it off of their chest. You know, because. People hold back a lot, and I feel like emotional control goes into a lot of the anxiety that people undergo today. It's that they're not able to express what it is they exactly feel, or they feel that they may be judged by, you know, this understanding that they may have, but without, you know, biased opinion. You know, just be there for the person. Even if it doesn't relate to you, don't associate yourself with it, but just kind of be a shoulder for a person to lean on in the time of need. And I feel that um that'll elevate a lot more things positively than it would in a negative sense where if they were to bottle their rage, you know, terrible things could happen, you know, keeping these secrets to themselves. And I think that's about it.
1: I don't even have a name for the show. I didn't even think of one through it, but I guess this is the end of 182, and uh, check out Thurko's podcast at 5000 com on all major streaming platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Spotify, iHeartRadio, and everywhere for Thurko's podcast. I'm Joe. What it do, Gators?
0: And you this, your boy Cleve, man. What it do, man? <laughs> we out this.
1: What
3: kind of life is this that I'm in? I make the wrong moves and I'll do it again. Overthinkings made me shut out, my friends. Nothing's all right, but I'll pretend. When you look. Someone you'd be proud to